Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Essentials, Foundations of Christianity. If I had to title this talk, I would title it, It's Not Mine, It's His. It's not mine, it's His. Psalm says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. So, It's his, it's not mine. Now, here's the secret to life. The secret to life is for you and I to conclude conclude in our own journey. Here's the secret. It doesn't belong to me, never has, never will. It belongs to him. If you can establish that principle in your life right now, doesn't belong to me, never has, never will. Time and money, you don't get them back, and what you do with them, again, will make you, will break you, will establish a promising future, or will establish an incredible nightmare of a narrative going forward. Everything you have, everything you receive, everything you give belongs to God The very breath that you have in your lungs belongs to God. You can break it down with everything. Tim, how is your wife? She's not mine. How's your kids? How's your church? How's your home? How's your car? How's your career? I don't own anything. Everything belongs to God. Now, once we start to understand the importance of this, okay, What we'll then realize is living a life of generosity is the heartbeat of heaven, and living a life of generosity is the lifeblood of the new covenant. So when we've been rescued from the domain of darkness, and we've been transferred into the kingdom of light, we're now living under the new covenant. The old covenant was flooded with laws. Even though we're under the new covenant of grace and mercy, God calls us now to submit, surrender, and obey his commands and his teachings. Now, when we talk about living with a generous heart and living a generous life, we're talking about living with our hand open, where God can give to and God can give through. We're not talking about a closed fist approach. We're talking about that anything that God pours to us is to be pouring through us so that he can touch the lives of other people and impact others through these vessels of who we are. We are just his vessels. We're to be flowing streams, not stagnant ponds. We're to be open to God to use 24-7. When we talk about being generous, we're talking about leveraging our time, our talents, our resources, everything that God has bestowed on us, we're talking about leveraging that to advance the kingdom of God, to point people to Jesus, to be disciple makers. Dustin, everything that God has entrusted is to be used for his glory. Now, principal thought is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, and it says, for you know, bam, circle that word no, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, you know God's grace that was manifested and displayed in Christ? Yes, we know that. That though he was rich, 
The triune God has always existed. Jesus Christ didn't start when start got started. He started, start. He's always existed. He's rich. The earth is the Lord's. You know how rich he was? Yet for your sake, he stepped out of heaven and took on a robe of flesh and identified with the least of these with extreme poverty. You, you know how rich Jesus is? Yet for your sake, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich. So that through the poverty that Christ was willing to lay aside, deitic privileges take on the form of man, that he would live 33 years, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but Jesus said, Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Thus Jesus lived a homeless life, that he was crucified and he's raised and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Yet for your sake, he became poor. So that we might become rich. Now, if we're going to follow in the steps of the one that we say we belong to and the one who has saved us, yet though we might be rich, yet for others' sake, we must be willing to become poor. We must be willing to become broken bread and spilled out wine. We must lay our lives on the altars as living sacrifices so that God can use us to reach other people. Why? Because of who I belong to, who bought me, who lives inside of me. Now, crucial. 33 years of walking with a king. And I know that Drew and Steve are doing this dollars and cents class uh, right now. Uh, kingdom principles, dealing with finances and all this stewardship kind of teaching right now. And here's what we know. How we handle our money is a great indicator of how well we understand Scripture and how much we trust God. What you do with your money screams how well you understand the Word of God and how much you trust that God. It's impossible to say that you love God and you rob him. He who loves me, John says, he who loves Jesus will obey him. You can't say you love him and not obey him. It's a contradiction. If you're robbing God, you don't love God. You love you. And you love the things of the world. That is the complete narrative when you study it. So how you understand God's word and how you trust him will be reflected in what you do with money. Your money and time are so crucial. Now, we are called to be stewards. 1 Corinthians 4.1, let a man regard us as stewards of the mysteries of God. Let, let a man regard us as stewards and servants of Christ. That's what he says. We're to be servants and stewards. What, what is a steward? It is a manager of someone else's business. Hey, hey, whose business is it? God's. The earth is the Lord's. Everything is God's. So when we say that we're managers and stewards, all we're doing is overseeing what belongs to somebody else. And a good steward always wanted to advance the owner's 
cause and bring him back an increase. Bad stewards would just take what belonged to the owner and spend it on themselves. Spend it on themselves. The problem in the United States of America and the problem with our culture and the problem with advertising is it tells you you're the owner. What you've got, you deserve. What you've got is yours. So whether it's money, whether it's your body, whether it's materialistic possessions, the world says, go for the gusto because you only live once. Or at least that's what Schlitz Malt Liquor said. But people bought it. You only live once. Make it about you. Go for it. And it is a lie from the pits of hell. A steward is consumed with advancing the kingdom of God. A steward, a manager that gets it, wants to see other people reach for the gospel. You'll say, uh, what, what's the mission at the cross? It's connecting you to Christ and others. That's what we're about What's the vision? Reaching 1,500 plus over the next five years, leveraging the resources that God gives us to reach people, teach people, train people, and to send people out. Why? Because we want to be about advancing the kingdom of God. You want to build a bigger building? No. No. You want to fill this one up three or four times and reach more people? Yes. You want to build more? No. No. We're not going to spend our money on bricks and sticks. We're going to spend our money on reaching people and seeing people become fully alive and sent out into the world to represent the king. Now, it may need facilities and resources, and, or should I say facilities and uh, more space at times, but we're not about bricks and sticks. We're about you because your story matters. Now, let me hit this. And hit it hard with you. And I want you to think about this from a stewardship standpoint when it comes to resources. Okay? Giving is an act of worship. Now, now people will say, amen, you ought to float over to the cross and hear their worship team. And people will come in here and enjoy what Nick and our worship team does. But can I tell you something? Singing songs pales in comparison to worship like giving does. One of the small ways that we worship is through singing. One of the biggest declarations that we make with our lives is through giving and generosity. What, what are you doing with your resources and your time? Giving reflects that, that you have faith in God's provision. Write it down. The portion of your income that you give back to God indicates how much you trust him to provide for you. The scripture says you can't serve God and serve money. This is a true, true statement right here. Giving reflects my faith in God's provision. Now, under the law, the law required, you got to give 10%. Under the Levitical law, they would give 10%, and every few years they would have to increase that to 30%, Dallas. So there was provisional uh, things that the 
Levitical people brought in, the Levites brought in, that you've got to give more. Now, we look at it going, tithe. Tithe means one-tenth. Proverbs teaches first fruits, which is tithe. Everything we read, when you start to study, it's like, hey, we want you to honor God with the first fruits, your wealth, tithe. All right, so here's the deal. If you make $100,000, if we're tithing, it means we're giving $10,000. That's tithe. Now, Rachel was telling me yesterday we were hanging out with my daughter. She was like, Benji, challenge me. It's time to up the game. Go at least from 10 to 11. I said, do you do it? She goes, yes, I'm increasing it. So I'm not just tithing, but I want to start to move toward radical generosity. That's right. Now, listen to me. God says, tithe. If God treated us like we treated him, make 100,000, you give 10. Based on what you gave last year, if God multiplied that by 10 and that was what you were going to live on this year, could you afford a couple of cans of Spam? Listen, you see, we want God to bless us, praying for the blessings of God. But if God blessed you according to what you released as far as what you're saying, I trust you, God, what would it look like for you? Now, I'm glad we're under grace in a lot of areas. But if you can move from 10 to 15 to 20% and get there and that becomes kind of the norm and even 20 plus where you're not even looking at the percentage now, but you know that you've moved into radical generosity, it's a great place to be. And Barb and I, 33 years ago, started at 10 and moving to, to just living generous and free is great because it's one thing to obtain a lifestyle. It's another thing to maintain a lifestyle. And if you will obtain simplicity, it's easy to maintain it. And we've always sought to obtain that which is way easy and doable. Giving reflects trust. How you use your money is one of the truest evaluators of whether you trust God or not, or whether you trust you, or whether you just like pursuing the things of the world. Giving expresses our love to God. You can give and not love, but you can't love and not give. You, you can give a little bit here and there and tip, and not love. But if you ever start loving, you're going to start radically giving. And that's the principle right there in Scripture. He says, instead of comparing what you give against somebody else, each man should be fully convinced and decide in his heart what he's going to give. What, what, are, what are you going to do? I, I've got to be generous, and I've got to steward this area well. I'm telling you. Giving should be planned and systematic, we should plan ahead. We should be sacrificial. Here, here's for me. I never, never, from the time I was saved, I've never wanted to come to the Lord empty-handed. I, I, I've never wanted to do that. I've always wanted to be a contributing partner of whatever body of believers I was with or whatever team I was on. I'm like, hey, I want to be a contributing factor to that team right there. I, I never just wanted to be one that just came in and just took up space. I'm like, I, I really want it to, 
that go deep. Now, 10% again is, is a place of the floor, not a place of the ceiling. It's the place you start. It's not where you stop because God is calling you to live a generous life and to steward what belongs to him. Now, this is one of those kind of talks, Jeff, where you don't get people running up and down the aisles and shouting hallelujah and jumping pews. I'm just telling you, you don't. Because it is a very sensitive area in our life. I was reading a few years back that guys are more apt to talk about their sex life and marriage than they are their money. Does that tell you how sensitive that talking about money is with people? But yet, there's more teachings about money than anything else in the Gospels? Jesus taught more about hell than he did heaven, but he taught more about money and stewarding the things of God more than pretty much anything. And I've had people get mad going, well, I can't believe you're talking about money again. The only people that ever get pissed, ticked at me, are the ones that don't give. So based on what you're giving, it's not keeping the lights on anyway. Now let's get in the game and all of us participate. Now if we do that, we can win. Come on. It's the truth. Now here's one of the things we do. We do a 100-day giving challenge. There's blue cards in the seat back in front of you right now. It's a giving challenge. And it says, Malachi 3, test me in this and see if I will not open up the floodgates and pour out a blessing. God goes, you, you robbing me? Quit robbing me. 2 Corinthians 9, I quoted it. The thing we say is this, what is your part? My part is, by God's grace, over the next 100 days, I'm going to tithe. If you make 100000 all right, I'm going to start tithing off of that. What is God's part? God said, if you will test me in this, see if I will not open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't even contain it. What is the cross Loganville's part? If after 100 days God is not faithful, we'll write you a check for whatever you've given. Now, in doing so, don't tip and get mad when God hasn't been faithful. We're saying tithe. So if you make $100,000, we will say, well, okay, how much are you making? How much did you give? Then we'll write you a check back. But don't come in here lying about not at least starting at 10%. What you guys are doing with that class right now, Drew, you and Steve, Steve was telling me, he said, man, the consistency last semester, the consistency on, y'all are doing it Sunday morning and Monday night. There's so many people taking it. Because people know that what you do with your money and time will make you or break you. And Richard, who was sitting here earlier, who does counseling, and my buddy Chet, who's a, a Christian counselor, there is more marriage chaos that you deal with because of the misappropriate use of money than anything else. I'm telling you, man, if we would honor God, if we would honor the principles of God and what God has said with wealth, it will change the way you do life. Y'all need money there? No. No. Don't need your money. Do you need to trust God? Yes. Do you need to test God and to see if he's going to be faithful? Do you need to learn to trust God? Absolutely you do. So what we do with our money reflects our priorities. And you can tell. You talk about witnessing last week, you can tell who's witnessing and who's not. You talk about stewarding, you talk about 
looking around and seeing who's locked in and who's not. You can see who's smiling and who's frowning. It's funny. But I didn't write it. And I'm telling you right now, it's impossible. Listen to me from a shepherding standpoint. It's impossible to ask Jesus to save me and ignore his advice to lead me. I can't do it. The two go hand in hand. Now, time. Time. We're told in Ephesians 5, be careful how you walk. Don't be a fool. Be wise. Redeem the time. The days we're living in are evil. Redeem the time. Make the most out of your time. The natural bent when we're born into the world, the natural bent for us, whether it be with our time, whether it be with our bodies, whether it be with our scheduling, whether it be with the things of the world, the natural bent of everything that we're taught is spend it on you. It's all yours. We live in a world that's driven by lust, not by love. It's not about redeeming the time. We prefer comfort and pleasure over obedience. We do. We don't want to struggle. We don't know how to struggle well. And so how you steward time prepares you for eternity. What you do today, what you do tomorrow is preparing you for eternity. If we're redeeming the time, there's 10,080 minutes in any given week. That's all we get, right? 10,080 minutes. What am I doing with that time? There's no mulligans. What you do with it is determining what eternity is going to look like for you. Did I... Trust Christ? Am I honoring God with time? Am I going to be able to lay treasure down at the feet of the king one day? What am I doing with my, my time? Reality is, eternal agony or everlasting joy, joy hinges on what you're doing with your time today. Are you making the most of your time? Are you serving God with your time? Are you serving others today with your time? What, what are you doing with it? There's no second chances. Here's some of the just simple stuff I wrote down. Time is short. Time would not be so precious if we never died, but we're going to die. And reality is, some of you have had to face death with loved ones and family members, and you're like, time's over. It's up. If we live forever, it wouldn't be so precious, but it's precious. You'll hear me say, Please learn to live with eternity as the backdrop. Whether it's eternal hell or whether it's celebratory with Jesus forever. What I do with my time matters. You can't waste your time and celebrate life to the fullness. It, eternity is hinging on what you do with your time today. Who are you investing it in? What are you investing it in? I was in Arizona this week, and a major league manager I was hanging out with looked at me, and he said, a few years back when he was managing this big league club, he said a, a wife of one of his players contacted him and said, I need help. Our marriage is falling apart. We're hanging on by a thread. 
I need help. When my husband comes home, all he wants to do is play Fortnite. For real. I I, got to get my game. If you're stealing time away from your family by constantly being on your device playing Fortnite, you are a fool. Y'all want me to soften that statement? You are an idiot. Are you serious? But society knows how. Here's the problem. It's not just an epidemic with the 15-year-old. There's so many guys that are hooked on computer iPad stuff that you've got your hidden secret fantasies over in the closet, whether it's porn or whether whatever you're looking at. And it's destroying you. You're not redeeming the time. And it breaks my heart. I'm telling you it does. I've counseled with so many that I told my kids years ago, my phone is a tool. It's not a toy. It's a tool. I make phone calls, emails, texts. What games do you have on it? Euchre, spades, whatever. I don't play against anybody. I ain't got time. I'm reading. I've got my Kindle books on there. I'm reading a new Frank Viola book I bought yesterday called Insurgents. I'm reading a variety of things right now, The Search for Significance by Robert McGee. I'm reading through that again. It's a tool. It's not a toy. It's to be used to grow me, not just to play around with. Is that crazy? Our marriage is being, this is a major league player. Gotta go play Fortnite. Really? It's that fun? Time is passing. Maybe the prophet Steve Miller was right that time keeps on slipping into the future. (laughs) Right? So I wanna fly like an eagle. (laughs) But listen to this right here 1 John 2 17. The world and its desires will pass away. The world and the world system, everything that's attractive, and its desires. And here's what I'm starting to realize more and more and more. The older we get, the faster, Jim, it just speeds by us. Is that not true? Time is just like speeding by, and it's like, why did I get slower as I got older, as fast as time is moving. I wish I would have gotten faster with it, but I didn't. It's like, it takes that long to get moving? Yes. Make each day count. You're either going to use it or you're going to lose it. Jesus said, as long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when we can't work. As long as it's day, as long as you've got energy and strength and your body is functioning well, it's today. Night's coming when you're going to fall apart. As Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12, and you're not going to be able to move and everything is going to hurt. And he goes, remember your creator in the days of your youth, Bert, before the old days come. But no, I mean, reality is, 
if you misuse it or abuse it, you don't get it back. And young people, I would highly encourage you, if you can really believe that, going, if I don't use it, I'm going to lose it. I've got to make the most of it. Reality is we're accountable. We're going to stand before the judgment seat of God one day, and we're going to give an account for how we lived our lives, what we did with our time. He's going to say, give me back my breath, and I'm going to give him back my breath. He's like, and I'm going to stand before him and give an account, and all of us are. And, and did I advance his kingdom, and did I really love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and was I tapped, or, or was I just about reckless pleasure? So I was thinking, like, people who use their time wisely, they're purposeful. They have a passionate why and a defined what. Hey, you're passionate about life. Well, I've got a passionate why. I know why I'm here. I know what God has called me to do. I know where I'm going. Now, everything's not totally scripted out. But when you can get that why down and that what down, Danny, it frees you. I already said years ago that the two greatest days in a person's life are the day they're born and then the day they realize why. And I'm like, oh, great, you've been born. It's greater to say, now you know why you're here. You're living out the unique stuff that God's placed inside of you. What's your purpose? It's to glorify God. I started thinking people who use their time wisely are committed to core values. They've established like core values deep down inside. And it helps you learn what to say yes to and what to say no to. If you fail to identify core values that you're going to live by, you're going to drift with no direction for a long time. You're going to be just drifting and floating going, "What, what, what am I supposed to do? When you start to realize why you're here and what God has called you to, it really frees you up to pour your energy into those things that matter. I'm not just giving it to whatever. A person who really uses their time wisely, they're tuned into their strengths. They know what their gifts, abilities, and passions are. And I was bragging on our friend Tracy in the first service. But Tracy, uh, they moved down to this area a couple years ago from Connecticut. And She didn't have much church background. She really didn't. And there was a lot of bumps and bruises in the narrative, but she came in here and started hanging out with us. It's like, how'd you hear about the church? Well, this girl, Michelle, invited her. Michelle's as quiet as a mouse. I didn't even know Michelle could talk. And I was like, no way. I mean, that's a miracle on both fronts, right? She goes, Michelle invited me. How'd you know Michelle? We met wherever. And I was like, well, that's cool. And so Tracy says... I want to serve at that back-to-school event. We give her a T-shirt, orange, green T-shirt. She's serving. She starts floating around. And then she just starts showing up, and she's involved in small group, and she starts hanging out, and she gives her life to Christ. And then our friend Amanda, who did announcements today, baptized her a few months back, and she's, like, been growing, and she shares stuff with us that, uh, with Barb and Kim and others, that look at what God's doing with me. So, so I was talking to my friend Patrick. And I, I, I was like, hey, Patrick, you know that girl, Tracy? And he goes, yeah, I know Tracy. And uh, I said, I'm so impressed with her and just proud of her. She, she's a quieter kind of personality. But I said, that girl serves. When my buddy Jeremy's mom died, Karen and Tracy were there, and they were serving food. The day before Thanksgiving, they 
They, they were over there giving their time and serving. And he goes, she's unreal. Some of the homeless and street ministry stuff we're doing, she's going down there. She's got an incredible gift of hospitality. I said, did you tell her? And he goes, yes. I told her, Barb is hospital. Tracy, you're right there. Hang out with Barb. She'll teach you how to live it out for, for the kingdom. He goes, I'm so proud of her. And I said, yes, I'm so proud of her. And you've got to know, what is your gifts? What was your strengths? I'm not a hospitable person. We'd all starve if it was left up to me. It's like, no, I'm not good at that. But I do have a few strengths in other areas. But what are you good at? What are the gifts, abilities, and passions inside your heart, your gap? What can you lay on the altar and say, God, here am I, use this and send me out? What, what is it? Here's another thing I've noticed about people who use their time wisely. This is so key. They choose joy. When you see them, it's not gloom and despair. They value relationships. They value refueling. You look at them and it's like, man, you're always joyful. My buddy Sweeney, I was with him all week, and he's captain encouragement. It was so crazy. We were hanging out there, and uh, they asked him, they said, hey, the mayor of Surprise, Arizona, is going to throw out the first pitch on Saturday. And he wanted to play catch with somebody uh, before Saturday where he wouldn't embarrass himself. And Sweeney's in the Royals Hall of Fame. I mean, had an incredible career. Anyway, they're like, would you play catch with a mayor? He's coming in. Sweeney's been retired for years. And he goes, yeah, I'll play catch with him. So Friday morning, we're standing there watching these guys hit in the batting cage. And Sweeney hits me and he goes, hold on. And he walks over and he goes, you must be the mayor. And the guy goes, yes, I am. And Sweeney goes, man, I've been waiting for you. I'm so glad to see you. And I turned around and started laughing. And I'm like, because he makes everybody feel that way. It doesn't matter if you're the greatest ball player of all time, if you're a vendor. It doesn't matter if you just got out of prison. He'll look going, I'm so glad to see you. And I'm like, why is he always so joyful? Because Jesus is center for him. It's not because he could hit a baseball or he made money. I look at him, I'm like, he values relationships. I was like, look at him. And I told one of the other guys, I said, you should have seen what he did in the batting cage with this guy. And he's like, I've been waiting for you. And I'm like, if you saw anybody else do it, you go, that's plastic. I've been with him since 1996. I'm like, it's not plastic. He calls Barb Trish. Years ago, he goes, you look like Trish Yearwood. So now every time I talk to Sweens, he, he told me the other day, hey, give Trish a hug for me. And I'll never forget when he saw Barb at a third day concert years ago when he was still playing. He, he walked up and he goes, mom, how are you doing? And Hannah freaked out. <laughs> mom, and it's like we help raise him. But he does. And when you're around people that choose joy, huh? When you walk in a room, do you bring light? Or when you walk out, do you bring light? There's a lot of people I'm like, whoo, they just walked out, man. And now we're about to get back to a radiant conversation. 
Praise the Lord. I can't believe they were here. Do you add energy? Do you? How, how do you make that room feel? When you brag on people and encourage them, it does something to the room. It does something to the mood. A few weeks back when I started bragging on Tara, the whole room changed. When I started bragging on Rachel, the whole room changed. When I was bragging on Brandy, the... Yes. Right? Start bragging on Dan. Man, he's leading this class. He and Heather. Start bragging on my buddy Steve or whoever. It changes the room. Choose joy. Value relationships. They're not disposable. And people who manage time wisely, they equip other people. They learn to delegate and empower others. Come here. I'm going to help you win. You're going to learn how to do this. You can do it. My buddy Dean was sitting here last Sunday, and we talked after I left, driving down the road. He goes, you had to be a proud papa. I said, for what? He's like, when you just kind of slid over and Benji kind of slid up and Benji started sharing, you had to be a proud papa. I, I was proud of him before he did that. I'm proud of him because he, he really is legit, but he equips others. He's not about himself. I, any person that pours their life into equipping others, Others, it just, they empower other people. They disciple other people. So what you're doing, like even this morning, doing this finance class and we're helping people, you're empowering other people. You're helping them get out of the ditch and you're showing them how to stand and then slowly we're going to show them how to walk. Don't you want to walk effectively? So I would be a terrible shepherd and life coach and pastor, if I didn't talk to you about stewarding money and time, where do we go? Read Gordon McDonald's book, Ordering Your Private World. I'm looking at you. Immediately, Dan's writing it down. I'm like, okay. I guess the rest of y'all are going to come back, listen to the video, and write it down later. <laughs> Read it. I'm trying to help you. When people come in for counseling, I just don't know what to do. Did you bring a pad and paper? Listen, you're not that smart. You're not going to remember hardly anything anyway. Write it down. A thought that cannot be placed immediately will be lost eventually. Believe me. I know. I was in the third of the class that made the upper two-thirds possible. I need help every day. <laughs> you want another good book? Developing the Leader Within You by John Maxwell. I took Rachel... Rick, Joe, our staff through that. The principles in there in developing the leader within you, he's got so much stuff about time management and redeeming the time. Then once you finish that one, you can read developing the leaders around you. You can't lead others until you can lead yourself. You can't. I promise you this. I could not stand here and encourage you to manage your money and steward the money from a God-style perspective if I was robbing God. If I wasted it, I could not do that. I promise you. 
And if I wasted my time and was just always all over the map, it's like, couldn't talk to you about it. And I had to tap into this years ago. Am I a master at it? No. I'm still a T-baller. I promise you, I'm still learning every day. But I promise you, you cannot lead others until you learn to lead yourself. I'm glad you're here. I want to see you manage and steward what belongs to God effectively. Let others, Drew, look at us and go, Dan, those are servants, Drew. Those are servants of Christ. They serve. They're they're under rowers. They're down in the belly of the boat. That was the portrait. They're down there just rowing. Nobody sees them. They see the master. They're servants. They're, They're just rowing. They're obeying what the master says. And they steward the mysteries of God, the things of God. They manage them well. And people who serve and steward have a chance one day of hearing the master say, well done, good, and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful manager who served me. That's what you want, right? Let's make it count. So here, here it is. You, you going to do the 100-day giving challenge? We challenge you to do it. We challenged them weeks ago to take the 2 Timothy 2.2 and become a disciple and a disciple maker. We challenge people. Be sure your 20-second story, your story matters. You did that. That was so cool, Connor, last week watching you. Spencer, many of y'all shared. I was like, look at them. And some of the stuff you shared, I'm like, man, you went transparent on me. I was so proud of that. Like that away, the more we confess that nonsense, dark stuff that Satan man had lured us into, the less power it has in our lives. Look look at that 17, 18 year old boy, man, being honest. I love that. So we challenge you, share your story. Right? Be a disciple maker. Challenge you. Honor God. Honor God. Step out on the 10% limb. And then climb higher. Don't rob God. God wants you alive. He wants you winning. Thank you so much for watching the message today. We hope that this message inspired you and challenged you as you watched it. encourage you to check out our website. It's thecrossloganville.org. There's a lot of information about our church there uh, that maybe can help you answer some questions about who we are. And don't forget that on our website we have old messages and archived series so you can spend a lot of time there learning and exploring if you have any questions you can contact us via the web or you could call us at the church 770-554-3322 thanks again for watching